0: Uh, You're with Julian on the brown note. Now, Dario Argento has become, he's got his own pool of cinema history. um, Very, very synonymous with uh, highly stylized, beautifully shot, incredibly colourful and incredibly violent films from the 1970s through to the early 80s. Which have become hugely influential on thrillers and horror movies since and frequently held up as one of the most pivotal horror directors even though that doesn't quite tell the story Uh, he's from Rome another Italian film director he's still alive 79 years old and um, his daughter's probably more famous than he is now Um, Asia Argento was uh, one of the faces of the Me Too campaign who accused Harvey Weinstein And and she featured in some of his films as well uh, he sort of made his name with a trilogy of films, just like uh, Antonioni did uh, with the animal tr- trilogy in uh, Italy, The Bird with the Crystal Plumage, Cat and Nine Tails, and Four Flies on the Grey Velvet, all in the very late 60s to early 70s. And uh, he's most known today for Suspiria, which was uh, about a girl at college and witches and features some of the most dazzling. And colourful cinematography and movie history, and a very important aspect the soundtrack by Goblin, a prog rock band from Italy, who still tour today on the back of the soundtrack work they did on numerous Dar- uh, Dario Argento films. And um, that film got remade last year by the director of Call Me By Your Name. And uh, critics either loved it or hated it, and really hated it. So I haven't got through that film yet, and I'm desperate to see it. Apparently, it's quite nasty and quite violent. But he became known for the um, what's called the giallo films. And I mentioned in the um, early part, when they started releasing Agatha Christie books and the uh, detective novels like Raymond Chandler in the 30s and 40s, um, they had these sort of yellow backgrounds on the books. And when Italian writers began to sort of copy their style and make these detective yarns or uh, murdered whodunits and so on, they'd ate the cover... And they became known as giallo as a genre. But um, really today it's known for the 1970s films, which usually put someone who may or may not be a detective in the proximity to be involved in a murder mystery and would often be beautifully shot, incredibly soundtracked, garish, a lot of the time style over substance and with increasingly ingenious blood-soaked murders. And it sort of became its own genre in film. And the um, I know I knew about Suspiria, but the film he made before that called Deep Red, um, I was piqued <coughs> by the insane reviews he got. I expected his films to be a bit more schlocky, whereas this one got incredibly high praise from critics. Uh, again, it stars David Hemmings, and again, it's about a murder, and again, it's about uh, directed by uh, a very arty Italian director, this time around it has a wonderful setup you do get to see a murder in silhouette in its opening and um very quickly we move to it's interesting this film stars dario nicoldi as a medium who appears at the start of the film and then is very brutally murdered that's his ex-wife and it also features another woman who's nearly murdered called dario nicoldi Nicolodi who's his current wife and I thought that was very European of him to have both his ex and his current wife in a film and both nearly either being brutally murdered or nearly murdered so this medium's in a hall and she's got a big crowd in front of her and uh, they're there to show that she connects with um, she can read people's minds and she sort of goes on to this guy and says you you are currently fiddling with some keys in your pocket one of them very long and he pulls out these keys with a very long key that he's fiddling with in his pocket and it's like, wow, everyone's, you know, it's a like a seance sort of setup. But then she goes mad because she starts to enter the mind of someone else in the auditorium. And this person is a brutal murderer. And she can see the murders this person's committed, and she starts to go crazy and lose it and the whole thing shut down because she's screaming, because she can see what this person's done. <clears throat> but she doesn't know who it is well she goes home and David Hemmings is hanging out with uh, a friend well not really hanging out he's trying to rescue this guy because he's such an alcoholic he's lying in the street he can barely speak and David Hemmings is a jazz pianist who's in um, Rome with his band trying to make some money and teaching uh, a conservatorium uh, people how to play piano And this other guy is an excellent pianist as well, but a rancid alcoholic. And while they're standing on the street, they hear this almighty scream. And uh, they both sort of look at each other and wonder what's going on. And uh, the other guy is very, very dismissive. But once David Hemmings returns to his nearby home, he sees the end of a murder, a very brutal murder taking place. And it's the medium that had seen inside this killer's mind. Well, the killer had obviously got a bit winded by that whole process and worried about what might happen next. He tracked her down and, and killed her. And uh, David Hemming sees this. And because his apartment's next door or just above, um, the police arrive and he's quizzed and um, because he's an out-of-towner, he's a bit of a suspect. And there's uh, the the Nicolodi character, the female who's uh, actually Dario Gento's wife at that page. She plays a very bullish um news reporter works as a journalist and she's pursuing the whole thing and actually takes pictures of him and puts him on the front cover of the newspaper as being connected with the murder. Something she then feels incredibly guilty about to the extent the two start a relationship. She sort of feels like she's really screwed this guy over because she knows he's got nothing to do with the murder and she just used him for a front cover. All the while, David Heming's character's getting sucked into this world because when he goes into the flat where the lady's been murdered, he believes he sees a painting. And when he sort of turns around again, he he's like looking for this painting and it's gone. And it, it starts to make him feel that something supernatural's happened because this painting might have revealed the face of the murderer. Uh, and he sort of starts tracking down... Um, people that are involved he sees a figure fleeing the apartment dressed in a raincoat which his friend also sees the drunk guy on the street and they're both pretty convinced that this is actually the murderer escaping Um, from that point on there's not i mean for a film that's known and a genre that's known for the brutal murders you get virtually probably two-thirds of the movie where none of that really happens it starts to kick in again when he gets closer and closer to finding out the past of the people that were involved and um, there are certain elements to the crime that he actually sort of pieces things together and he seeks out an author that had written about this um, person that was relatable to what happened but by the time he gets there she's been killed in the most horrific way possible and then it all kicks off again and, um, and unlike blowout it blow up it does pursue the murder angle to the point of its logical conclusion which itself is quite inventively done and and it's quite an imaginative progression but again it's a much more existential film which um harks back to the, the sort of the italian existential films of the 60s where you spend an awful lot of time inside this character's head as he struggles to come to terms with how he feels about life the universe and everything and it's really really well done on that level. It doesn't fall back on, um, I mean, on an artistic critical level, it's so far ahead of a lot of those movies that came out post Silence of the Lamb, often featuring people like Morgan Freeman that would be pursuing this killer and trying to make the killer ever more interesting. It's streets ahead of that kind of thing. It's not pulpish at all. It's really classy. Um, The direction on blow-up and this, the framing of shots the tracking shots, the camera work here is so kinetic. The way individual characters are framed and the furniture is framed is just beautiful. It's so well done. And you can tell that these directors, these things are much more important to them than directors we have nowadays. Like they really seem to, you know, every single figurine and every placement of every hand or every glance seems to be a deliberate directorial uh, point that's being made or that is uh, supposed to add to the mystery of what's going on or the the character development and so on and it's um, it's a really well-made film. Um, I was really surprised by how good a film it is. Uh, Suspiria now gets uh, mentioned most in the Dario Argento filmography pretty much based on the style more than the content of the film this time around i would say the content of the film is the equal of the incredible style we get an absolutely insane soundtrack from goblin uh the prog rock band from the 60s who replaced the scorer of the film after darry argento wasn't happy with the score and produces they're very good at doing extremely scary music but very good at doing driving funky jazz music which um often relates to jazz funk from the 1970s um it's really really up tempo in your face and it soundtracks some of the murders and it's really it's a brilliant soundtrack i've played the suspiria one on this show and i'm going to play a track from that soundtrack because i don't have the one to deep uh, deep red but i would say it's the equal the music's brilliant throughout Uh, david hemmings again plays this Cipher for the viewer in that we spend the whole film inside his head, but also a slightly unknowable enigma. He's great in this. Is he was coming to the end of his period as one of the world's preeminent leading men at this stage? Um, perhaps that's why he took up a film in Italy. It was a great choice anyway because it's it's an enduring classic now. Um, it looks amazing, and uh, the murders themselves are increasingly inventive, and there are a couple that sort of. Bookend the final sequence, which are shocking, and sort of leave you with your heart in your mouth a bit, um, as does the denouement with regards to who's done what and why. Um, that still it holds it out in front of you and dangles it where you think you know exactly what's happening right up until the very end, uh, and so it does work. Unlike Blow Up, as a detective story, but it's just as art house as that film. Um, the all of the characters in it are very well played. Um, and it's Hemming's film all the way through. But niccolodi as the um, journalist that sort of falls in love with him, and they sort of plan to go away. Um, you do spend the film believing that a lot of these characters are the murderers, so it's well done. Um, and uh, the it's in Italian, obviously. So I'm not. I didn't know if he was fluent in Italian or they dubbed him or what. Um, but the dialogue and the script and the acting and the actors are a, a step above most of those giallo films, which were a bit more schlocky and a bit more low rent in what they offered. This is pure class. It's a great film. It deserves to be regarded as one of the great horror films, yet it's also a detective story as well. And it throws up the supernatural, which would infect Dario Argento's work later, without actually putting its both feet in that camp of the supernatural. So I thought it was a masterpiece again, uh, and I thought it was a thrilling ride, brilliantly soundtracked, incredibly well shot, And a terrific film. Um, So, I'm going to give, as with Blow Up, I'm going to give Dario Argento's David Hemmings starring film Deep Red a nine and a half out of ten, another masterpiece. And this is from that Suspiria soundtrack, the title Suspiria, from Goblin, who tours to this very day.